Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. Everybody say favor. With God, I like that. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Hallelujah. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for, uh, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, Father. Your word, Father, is truth. And, Father, we love your word. And, Father, we have positioned ourselves right now to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Father, I pray against every interference. I pray against anything and everything that will hinder the flow of this word. I, I come against it in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you will speak to us, Lord, inspire, encourage us to know that you are the God of the impossible. And Lord, we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. We're continuing our series, and we've been talking about keeping Christ in Christmas. And I trust that all of you have been doing an impeccable job with that. And today I want to talk to you about the subject, Surprised by the Impossible. I know and many of us are, get pretty excited about Christmas this time of year. I know I do. But do you realize that there are some people that are not quite as excited as you are? Amen. There are some people that have relational issues and there are some folks that are dealing with the loss of a loved one and, and Christmas bring up all the bad things that come with that. There are some people that are struggling, whether it be financially, uh, whether it be emotionally. Uh, when I was a patrol officer working the street, uh, it was not uncommon that oftentimes this time of year that there would be many people that would commit suicide. And, and the reason why they do it, if you really look down to the heart of why they're doing it, it is because they find themselves in a situation where they feel like there is no way out. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you felt like that you was trapped and you felt like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. 
You know, I, you know, I don't see I don't see a way out. I mean, I I go to church, you know, I I talk to the Lord about my problem. But this really is a real big deal. See, I'm not interested in playing church. Are you with me? I am interest, interested in this Bible coming alive in our life today. How many know this book is for us today? The Bible said that the word of God is living. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. How many know there's power in this word? And one of the things that we need to recognize this morning is that God can do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Do you recognize what that verse, that's a, that's a power-packed verse. God says, I can do beyond. In other words, think about your wildest dreams, the wildest possibilities. God says, I can do exceedingly and abundantly above that. How do we know we serve an awesome God? See, there is nothing that is too difficult for our God. You remember Sarah, when God told her, said, you're going to have a baby in your old age. And the scripture said that Sarah laughed about that thing. She thought, whoa, 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 me? I'm like going to be pretty old. And, 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 and God had to remind her, he says, God, not as a question, but a, as a statement of fact. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, somebody talk, somebody talk back to me. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Because when you really recognize that there's nothing too hard for the Lord, how many know it changes how you act? I remember as a kid, my dad, how I many know, you know, my dad, I used to think that my dad was Superman. We used to, you know, our kids, we used to brag about our dad. My dad can beat your dad. And my dad, you know, and because I felt like whatever trouble I got into, no matter what came my way, my daddy could take care of it. How I many know? So if you want to mess with me, I go tell my daddy. Because my daddy can whoop your daddy. And because I knew my daddy was bad, I walked a certain way. I walked with my head hung up, and I won't worry about those jokers out on the street. Because I know that if you mess with me, I'll go back and I'll tell my daddy, and my daddy would take care of this. Because to me, my daddy could do anything. If I broke something, if something needed to be fixed, all I needed to do was call on my daddy, and he will fix it. How many know you serve a your God is awesome? He's greater than all of that. He is the creator of all things. And you need to know this morning that anything that you're dealing with today, God is bigger than that. Because, see, if we really recognize and believe that God is bigger than that, how many know we're going to walk a certain way? It's going to change the way we think. It's going to change the way we act. Because we oftentimes say, come on, we say, well, God is, we, we are theologically, because we are all theologians. And theologically, I know God is bigger than everything. But it seems sometimes that there's a conflict between what we say and how we act. Because when you know your God is bigger than everything, brother, it changes the way you live your life. You live a life with faith. You ain't walking around with your head hang, hung down talking about how am I going to make it? No, 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 no. Come on. You and I, if, if your God is who he says he is, and last time I read, he says he owned a cattle on a thousand hills. Last time I, I checked, it says that all the world is held together by the word of his power. Last time I heard, he spoke the earth into existence. It was form. It was, it was, it was formless and it was void. And he created something out of nothing. Last time I checked, he was the one that redeemed me and called me into this thing. 
And if he redeemed me and he called me unto himself and he says I'm his own and he says I own it all, then what does that make? What does that put place me? If he owns it all, guess what? I own it all. How many know you have a spiritual inheritance? And you know what? There's nothing in this world can take away what God has blessed you with and what he has given each and every one of us. Oh, aren't you getting excited? It's going to be a good word today. I feel pumped. I'm telling you, y'all better get out of my way because I'm about to roll over somebody. Hallelujah. I'm just fired up. Hallelujah. Because God is able. Three words God wants you to know this morning. He is able because sometimes we just forget that. I don't know why it is. You know, we get saved for a little while and we're going through our issues and we're going through our problems and we're trying to figure it all out. But every now and then we just need to be told that God is able. You remember the children of Israel when they were the Pharaoh was on their back and they got to the Red Sea. How many know when you got a, a whole army of people coming up against you and you got no weapons? And they come up against a mighty ocean and they are trapped. They are standing there like, what are we going to do? And a lot of people, you know, and Moses said, tell the people, start crying. Tell the people to move forward. Why are you talking to me? Tell my people to move forward. And they moved forward and God made a way out of nowhere. He opened up that Red Sea and they walked on dry ground. Do you not know that you serve a God of miracles? Oh, gosh. You serve a God of miracles. He does crazy stuff. He does stuff that that we can't even phantom or imagine. So so we find here this little this teenage girl for you teenagers who think God can't use you. You know, we estimate they estimate that she was somewhere between 14 and 18. There's various accounts. But but how me know that the scripture says Mary was highly favored of God. God came to Mary. God decided to use this 16 or 17 year old girl. We'll just say 16 for the sake of this message. God shows up. Well, well, actually, before that, uh, uh, she's about to marry. She gets engaged to Joseph. And, uh, you know, you know, women, when they get engaged, they get pretty excited, don't they? You know, you, you get your ring. You know, and you want to go show everybody, take a look, take a look, you know, and, and, and you're all excited because now you're going to marry the man of your dreams. Oh, you need to check this out. Here's my man. Look what he gave me. And, and you know, and she's just like any other woman. She's excited. She's about to get married. All her girlfriends, she's getting together her bridesmaids and Joseph are hooking up the groomsmen and everybody is getting prepared for this big day. And all of a sudden. An angel shows up out of nowhere. Hmm, out of nowhere. See, one of the things you got to understand about God is uh, I've been walking this thing for over 20 years, and here's what I discovered. Uh, uh, when I think God's going to do it this way, he always do it the opposite way. Some of you, you've been praying and asking God to move, and you have already figured out in your mind what it's supposed to look like when he moves. But if you've been living this thing for any length of time, you realize that he has, think about it, he has never really done it the way you thought he was going to do it, has he not? He has always cut against the grain. That's why they couldn't, they couldn't deal with Jesus. They said, no, when the king come, when the Messiah come, he ain't coming like you. No, he's going to come strong and mighty. We grew up with you. 
You know, you, there's nothing. The scripture said there was nothing, nothing to be desired about Jesus. He was a regular, ordinary looking person. And they couldn't get over. They said, ain't no way. You are the you are the Messiah. You can't be it. And you know that they were hung up on that because God oftentimes worked in unconventional ways. And so he shows up and, and, and here this this little teenage girl, she's she's excited. And the angel showed up and said, Hail Mary, you're highly favored. Now, I don't know, but I, I'm thinking to myself, OK, OK. Now, how many said you want an angel to appear at your bedside? How many, of you, how many of you really think you like that to happen? Really, honestly. How many of you would like to wake up out of dead sleep and there's an angel right there? I imagine that I might be, um, I might be near a heart attack. Because, you know, when, when, when angels showed up, usually people passed out. So God shows up. This angel, he sends Gabriel and she says, he started telling her all these wonderful things, but you are highly favored of God. So, you know, we know she was a young girl. She was probably, at minimum, she was a leader of the youth group. She probably was an all-A student. You know, she had a, a purity about her life. You know, she, and God shows up and says, you're highly favored, and, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to give birth. And even told him what the child's name is going to be, Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sin. And you know what's going to happen? I'm, it's going to come through you. Now, now, I imagine that she might have thought for one second, uh, because when you were engaged, you didn't interact with each other until the marriage was. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I imagine that, you know, that she might have been, what in the world? How am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I? In fact, I imagine that she probably even had to deal all of her life with people wondering because, you know, people always and people don't know always what's going on in your life. They always think they know what's going on. But but, you know, there are always those that are out there that's going to be talking and saying something about you. You, you know that people do talk about you. You, you, you realize that. And, 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 and perhaps Mary found herself in a situation that people was talking about her and saying, you know, that's that's her Mary. I believe that she had a baby out of wedlock. I imagine that probably she had to deal with that for the rest of her life. But Joseph, God reveals to Joseph that this whole thing is a part of my plan. And God began to tell her how he's going to use her. And she asked a question. She says, how can this be? Because, you see, I don't even know a man. Now, she didn't ask that question as if to say, I don't believe you. She asked. She said, OK, Lord, I'm receiving this. But how, how are we going to pull this off? Because, you know. And, and, and he says, he says, well, here's what you need to understand. Not only are you pregnant, going to, you're going to conceive, but, but your, your cousin Elizabeth, she is old and she was called barren. She couldn't have babies. She's going to give birth. And, and, and here's what you need to know, Mary, just in case you start going off on the deep end and trying to figure this all out, for nothing shall be impossible with God. So he let Mary know right off the bat. Mary, and you, know, and you know what Mary said? Mary said, okay, let it be according to your word. She didn't try to argue with God about, Lord, did you really say that? Lord, I, I don't know. You know how sometimes we read the Bible? I mean, not any of you all, but sometimes we read the Bible and we try to figure out a way not to 
do what the book says. And so we try to justify and we try. No, no, no. Mary simply said, this is why I believe God knows us. Right. And, and God knows what's in all of us. And, 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 and God knew there was something in Mary. And Mary simply said, Lord, let it be according to your word. Lord, I believe what you said. And thereby I am not going to ask questions. I believe that woman's life was changed forever. Because you get a miracle like that. How do you know? That'll change it. But do you know, not, not know that God can do the, the same that he did for Mary, he can do for you. He can do a miracle in your situation that you're dealing with, that you're trying to figure out the answers. God can do a miracle in a moment because he always show up at inopportune times. Yeah. Yeah. You sitting there because we all got our time frame. We figure when God's supposed to show up because the deadline is here. I mean, you know, God works outside of your deadlines. Did you not know that uh, he don't deal, he don't have a clock in heaven? There's no clock in heaven. He operates according to eternity. Hallelujah. Look at Mark chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 23. Watch this. Jesus said to them, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. See, that's really what the question is, right? Think about it. He says, if you can believe. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, that, that really resonated with me because that's one of the few times that the word impossible just kind of shows up. And God says, if you don't have faith, uh, you, you can't please me. Ooh, I'm going to cry and God's going to feel sorry for me. That ain't going to answer. I mean, can I tell you something? I'm going to give you a quick revelation. <sighs> He's merciful, is he not? But God is moved by faith. He says now, if you can believe. In other words, he's saying, if you're willing to give me a chance, if you're willing to take me at my word, if you're really willing to go out on a limb and not worry about the circumstances, not worry about your reputation, but just if you're willing to just step out, you know, sometimes what holds us from up, keep us from just stepping out is we're worried about, you know, what if I fail? Right? Uh, I will pray for this person and heal them, but just what if it don't work out? Then, then how many know it ain't about you? Your job is to take this word and just go and you preach it and you live it and you let the chips fall where they may. He says, if you can believe, if you're willing to give me a chance, watch this. All things are possible. Did he say a couple things were? All things are possible. That means that, there, that God cannot be put in a box. That means that everything is on the table. Simply means that God can do anything. He's not held back by nothing. Whatever God chooses to do, he will do. God will, listen to me. God will not only give you the job, but if God chose to, he can make you CEO of the company. Some of you might say, ain't no way I could ever, you know how, you know how the world got this, this, this way of thinking that in order to be this and that, you got to be educated, you got to go to college. You, gotta, you know, I mean, no, Jesus ain't got no college education. He didn't have all that. He didn't have a whole bunch of friends. 
There was people that were just disturbed. They were like, this brother, where does he get all this knowledge from? Because he ain't never, you know, because God had anointed him. And when God anoints you, you can do some mighty exploit. God can raise you up. He can raise one of our kids up to be the president of the United States. And you say, well, ain't no way. Well, then you're limiting God because I'm trying to raise your level of thinking of what the possibilities are and what God can do. You remember Joseph being thrown in a dirt pit, sold in the Egypt by his brothers, his own family rejected him. He ends up in prison and God elevated him to, to the man who was second in charge of all of Egypt. This brother, he didn't even have no kinfolks, no roots or anything in that in that nation. And God raised him up. God took a little shepherd boy, David. And God said, look, anoint him. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use him. And, and God anointed that boy, and he became the king of Israel. Isn't it good that God just used ordinary people? See, see, and so nobody can really think and nobody can boast about, oh, what I did, what I did. No, 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 no. You need to understand that when God decides to do something, he can do something. He can do something way beyond what you think. Here you are. You're trying to figure out. Why are we trying to figure out stuff when God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you? If God says that I hold all power is in my hand. I mean, why are we worried? What are we worried about? I'm challenging your faith this morning. What are you worried about? If all things are possible, if God can do anything and he is my God, he put his Holy Spirit, the same power to raise Jesus out of the grave. Is living on the inside of me. So why am I fearing? Why am I worried? What am I concerned about when he says that with me, everything is possible? I'm not limited. Don't try to marginalize me. See, God is not meant to be marginalized. He's meant to be trusted. See, don't try to put God in a box because he'll flip one on you every time. So we got to begin to change our thinking and to think, okay, God, if you can do anything and that everything is possible, then 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 that means that that I, I need to I need I need to put this down. I need to just walk in faith and, and just kind of just do what you said, be, be, because I know that whatever I'm going through, you, you're much bigger than that. And I know that you're with me. I know you hear the prayers of the righteous. How many know you've been righteous by the blood of Jesus if you're saved? You got direct access. You can go and talk to God. You don't need nobody to talk to God on your behalf. People come to me all the time. Can you pray for me? I'll pray for you. But I want to ask you, do you pray for yourself? Do you go to God yourself? Because he can hear me just like he can hear you. In fact, even better concerning your problem. Because it's your issue that you can take to a God who can solve it. And, but you know, just like my daddy, when I knew my daddy could do anything, boy, I, I, it changed me. It changed me. How I many know it ought to change the way that we think? We should not be walking around. We got all the Bible says we got this treasure in earthen vessels. All this truth down on the inside of us. How I many know we need to we need to walk in faith? Now watch this. Let's talk a little bit about Abraham. Y'all know about Abraham? Abraham was given a promise by God. Talk about. Now, I want to show you a pattern here, and I want you to stay with me, of how God used folks. And he used folks from every sphere of life. These were regular, ordinary people, but they all had one thing in common. They took 
God at his word. They weren't the most educated. They weren't the best looking people. They didn't have a lot of resources, but you know what they had? Faith. They said, okay, God, I'll let you use me. And here, here's Abraham, right? Now I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. And as you can read about this in Genesis chapter number 12, if you like. We don't have the time to do it now because I got to keep moving. But, but, but God comes up to Abraham and says, Abraham, I, I want you to leave your family, your country, and everything that you're familiar with. And uh, I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. Well, God, would you like to kind of tell me before I go where I'm going? How many of you might be wanting to ask God that? Come on, be honest. I mean, God come up to you and say, I'm going to take you to a land that I wish. I'll be like, okay, if you want me to leave everything, because Brother Abraham, he has some resources. God says, Abraham, I want you to get up. I want you to go and leave your family, everything that you're familiar with, and I want you to go because I'm going to make you a mighty nation. I'm going to bless you. And you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Are you kidding me? And what does Abraham do? Does he sit there and argue with God about what? No, the, the scripture said Abraham took up everything and said, I got to go. See, God is looking for people. Watch me now. God is looking for people that will just simply obey him and stop trying to figure it all out and ask questions. Abraham just took up his stuff and he went. And then God said, now, here, Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the sand on the earth. He said, if you can count all the sands, you'll be able to count your descendants, which was an impossibility. One time he says, Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want you to look up into the sky. Abraham looks up. You see all those stars? That's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, understand at this point, Abraham didn't have any kids. Sarah was barren. She didn't have any babies. They had one thing, and God's making them a promise. He said, your descendants are going to come out of your loins that all the family of the earth is going to be blessed. So Isaac is born. He's the promised child. Some years passed. And they promised the one, Isaac, the seed, to which God said that he will bless all the nations of the earth. God tells Abraham, now, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. Genesis chapter 22. Read it in your spare time. He says, I want to take, I want you to take your son. You know, the one that, 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 that promised child, I want you to take that boy, take him up the Mount of Moriah, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Now, I don't know about you, but I might be like, what's up? What's up? And, and you know, and I, and I, used to, I, I read that, and I would read that, and I'd be like, you know, Abraham just went, and he did, he took his boy up there. Told his servants, say, everybody, I want y'all to stay back. I'm going to take my boy up. I'm going to take him up. And, and, and he said, look, when I come, we, we both are going to come back. And somehow he knew we both were going to come back. But he goes up there and, and he gets ready to, to sacrifice his son. And the boy says, you know, because we believe he was a teenager at that point. The boy says, uh, Dad, I, I see the fire in the wood, but where's the sacrifice? What's up? What are you trying to do to me, Daddy? We, this ain't no infant. This boy, he's walking up there. And Abraham, Abraham, and God said, now I want you to kill him. Now, I want you to hear this because I want to talk. I want to talk raw. Can I talk raw? God is telling him to take your son and offer him the one that, that I made a promise about. And I want you to put him on the altar and I want you to kill him. Now, there is no evidence in scripture that Abraham tried to get out of this. None whatsoever. The Bible says Abraham just went right on up there. He gets the fire, he gets the wood, he lays his boy out, and he gets ready to, to take his boy's life. Now, it ain't, if you read that, that account in Genesis chapter 22, Ab Abraham is not like, 
okay, okay, God, please hurry up. We don't, don't let me do this. No, 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 no. Abraham got laid that boy down and he dropped, pulled that knife back and he was going for it. And I kind of said, no matter what kind of brother was this? Can we be real? I'm thinking, what's up with this brother? He's going to, you know, and, and it wasn't like Abraham wasn't hesitant about this thing. He was going full bore with this. And I tried to get insight into it, thinking like, God, what was this brother thinking? You don't want me to tell you what was inside of his brain? Watch this. Now, this is deep. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Watch this, verse 17. By faith. Now, here's that God's going to give us a clue of what's in Abraham's brain. Watch this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. How many know he was tested? He offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now watch this. Of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Watch this. Concluding that. Now here's what was going on in Abraham's mind. Watch this. Concluding that God was able. Look at the name and say, he's able. To raise him up. Even from the dead from which he also received him in figurative sense. Now watch this. Here's what Abraham said. Abraham said, you know what? God made me a promise. And how many know that, that, that God is not a man that he should lie? You know, how many know God do not lie? If God makes you a promise, if God says something in his word, then baby, it is a settle. It is going to happen. Maybe not like you think, but it's going to happen. But here's what Abraham was thinking. Abraham was saying, well, wait a minute. God made me a promise. He told me that in, 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 in this seed, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. So if, now if God is telling me to kill him, then obviously God must intend to raise him back up from the dead. Because he got to do it because he made me a promise. And so you see the mindset that Abraham had? He had a, he had a mindset that Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And if God made him a promise, I'll lay my boy up there because I know that he said to me that in this seed, all the families of the earth is going to be blessed. So and if I if I have to kill him, then God's going to raise him back up from the dead. He has to do that because he gave me a promise. Ah, oh, gosh. Boy, isn't that wonderful? Because now we get to see what was in the mind of Abraham. It was same. It was the same mindset that Mary had. Let it be according to your word. Lord, if you tell me to do something crazy, I mean, no, that's crazy faith. Literally, that's crazy faith. And, and Abraham was, Abraham had such faith in God. He just, he, it was no limits. I'm not going to question God. I'm just going to go ahead and do what he tells me to do, even though it don't make sense. How do you know that every now and then, God is going to require of you something that does not make a whole lot of sense. Can I give you some advice? Just go ahead and do it, even though it don't make sense, because you serve a God of the impossible. And if God tells you to do something, how many know he got it all figured out? He told Elijah, he said, I want you to go to the woman of Zarephath. And she's going to take care of you. This little woman ain't have nothing. She ain't have nothing. And he go up to this woman who got, who's about to die. It's a famine in the land. She got a son. They got a little bit of oil, you know, and, and a little bit of bread. And he goes up to her and said, look, give me some of that. Now, from a, a logical standpoint, no, no, you don't take it. This woman got a kid. You, you buy your dog, brother. They ain't giving you nothing. She went ahead and she gave it. 
God provided for him, but he also provided for her because she just went ahead and did what God said. And God made a way for her because she had to get this revelation that, that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. <laughs> Woo, somebody shout amen. Come on now, turn with me to John chapter number 11. Watch this, the gospel of John chapter number 11. Are you being blessed? Amen, amen, amen. Do you believe that nothing is too hard for the Lord? Hallelujah. Nothing shall be impossible for those who believe. Let's start in verse number one. And this is, we're going to close it with this particular scripture passage right here. Now, a certain man was sick. I'm starting in verse one, chapter 11. We're going to read verses one through six, and then we're going to jump over to verses 17 down to 23. Are you with me? Let's go. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in their place where he was. Now, jump on over to verse number 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb, talking about Lazarus, for four days. Everybody say four days. Four days. Now, if you're in a tomb for four days, you, you dead. It's over. Kapush. Done. Okay? You're already starting to smell, as the scripture would say here. Now, verse 18. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many other Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Now, I want you to, I want you to, to listen to what Martha said, because we're going to talk about this for a second. But Mary was sitting in the house. In verse 21. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, now, I want you to, now, now, we don't have time to read it, but the Lord ended up raising Lazarus from the dead. You don't want to know the end of the story for those of you who are not familiar with that passage. But I, I want to look at a couple things about this particular passage that just kind of caught my attention. First of all, you know, when you get a phone call, and, I, and, and many of us, unfortunately, have gotten this phone call when a loved one is about to die. And you get that phone call and say, uh, you know, things ain't looking too good. Uh, we, you, need, you need to come over here because we don't know how bad this is and they may not make it. What do we normally do if it's a close love relative or somebody we love? We rush, don't we? I mean, we want to get over there because we want to make sure we want to. And if we're believers, we want to hurry up and pray for them because God just might. He might heal them. Right. So if you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, you want to hurry up and get over there. But but Jesus. He gets word in the scripture said that he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He had a close relationship with them. He hears that Lazarus is sick unto death. And you know what he says? You know what he does? 
The scripture says he stayed back two more days. Jesus says, no, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, how does that translate for us? Because, you know, it seems kind of cruel. I mean, if Jesus can heal and stop something from happening, uh, why don't he stop it? Have anybody ever asked God, God, if you are who we know you to be, uh, how come, God, you don't just, why did you let this happen? Do you ever hear about stuff and see stuff sometime and you wonder? He said, God, God how, 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 how did you let that happen? I mean, because, God, you could have stopped that. Jesus, he took his time. He says, basically, I'll get there when I get there. Because he already had a plan what he was going to do. And the rest of the disciples, they're trying to figure out, like, they don't know what's happening. Just like us, a lot of times we don't know what's really happening. All we know is we hear God saying to us, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take care of that in my time. But, but, you know, God always, God always, always just never do things usually within my time frame. And he never does things usually within your time frame. So, so he shows up after staying back two more days. By the time he get there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Four days. And Martha runs up to him. Now, Martha is a type of you and me. But, Pastor, how do you say that? Because I want you to hear what she says. First thing she says to him, Lord, if you had been here. Because she kind of giving him a slight rebuke. If you had been here, my brother. Because I want you to understand, Lord, he's close to me. I love him. This hurts. This is painful. This hurts hurts me, Lord. But if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What is she in essence saying? She's saying, the first thing she's saying is, is, is that, 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 that Lord, that uh, you had the power to heal because we know that you heal. We've seen you do it. And, and, and because you didn't come, uh, this happened. She's kind of like blaming him in a sense, in a kind of an indirect way. But then she gets spiritualized real quick. She says, but I know if God, if God can do anything. It's like, you know how we do sometimes. Oh, the Lord, the, the, you know, I've been going through this and I've been going through that and it's been hard, you know, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And we start giving our big list. But, but, you know, I know the Lord will provide. Oh, he will provide. Yeah, but, but you know, I got all this, I got this, and, and I'm telling you, I'm, oh, I'm just this terrible, oh, I don't know, I don't know, oh, but, but, you know, the Lord is just going through all these problems, just killing me, I don't know how I'm going to make it, oh, no, 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 but I know the Lord will provide, I know he's God, though. That's kind of like what Martha is saying. She's saying, she's saying, Lord, 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 if you have been here, because that's really where she is, right? And Jesus had to tell her, she says, Jesus says, your brother is going to live again. And you know what she said? She said, I know, I know. You can tell where she was. She said, yeah, in the resurrection, when it's time at the end of the earth and all that. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll I, I understand that, Lord. The Lord said, no, 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 no. You need to understand that wherever I show up at, there's life. I am the resurrection Amen. and the life. And, you know, Jesus didn't hang around graveyards because if he did, everything that's in there would have to get up. Because he's full of life. That's why in the Old Testament, the priest couldn't go near dead bodies. Because everything about God is life. And when Jesus show up, it's life. That's why when he called Lazarus up out of the grave, he had to call him by his name. 
Because had he not called him by his name, everybody would have got up. <laughs> he had to call him by his name. And so what did Lazarus say? Lazarus, Jesus says, Jesus basically, she married you know, Martha. She's all in the uproar. And she's all upset. And Jesus had to tell her, he said, your brother, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. And, but, but you got to believe this because I'm about to do something here because I have showed up. Because in actuality, she is thinking like a lot of us think. That, that if God don't do something within our time frame, that is over or it can't be fixed or it's too late. How many know that when you serve in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Bible, you know, some people I've heard a lot of the old folks say that 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 that, that he's never late. He's always on time. It used to be an old song. I don't remember it. But 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 you know what I'm talking about. God is he he's never late. He's always on time. Because when God shows up, there is no time. There is no limit. And when he shows up, he brings life wherever he comes. So something to you can look like it's dead. How many know I'm talking about? You know, we got stuff. It didn't look like there's no way out. It's finished. It's too late. God can't fix it. It's over. It's over. It's over. It ain't over until God says it's over. And if God want to raise that thing back up, he can raise it up and bring life in that thing. It doesn't matter what the problem is. And so if you have given up on God, you need to recheck yourself and understand that God can take your situation that you thought there was no hope. You thought, that, oh, there was no hope. There was no way out of this. I don't know how I'm gonna, I was going to get. And God can take that situation and flip it around and just, just baffle you and have you standing there saying, look what God did. You know, you know, you really get to walk with God and God start doing stuff. All you can do is just sit back and say, look what God did. Let me you just look at. I don't know how. He, I don't know how. He, some of us have had those kind of testimonies that, that God did stuff in life. And all you did is kind of sit back and say, look, I don't know how in the world I got through that. But somehow, some way, God brought me through. I didn't know how I was going to fix this problem. I didn't know how I was going to fix this relationship. I didn't know how I was going to fix this financial issue. I didn't know anything. I don't know. But but somehow God got me through it. And God sent me here to tell you you today that you're going to get through it because he is the resurrection in the life. He is the resurrection. Don't tell me God is too late. God is never late. He is not handicapped by a watch. He is not handicapped. He created all things. Hallelujah. 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 Whatever it is that you're going through today, he's a God of the resurrection. He's the God of the impossible. I mean, no, virgins don't get pregnant unless there's something that happens. He's the God of the impossible. <laughs> he had to let Mary know, and he's letting us know that with God, all things are possible. So, so, how, so how did that translate in my life? Okay, I'm not going to be worried about it no more. You're going to be challenged when you leave here because that problem is going to jump right back in your face. And the enemy is going to challenge everything I just said to you because he wants you to get in bondage and start worrying about how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that. But I want to challenge you today to just keep saying, if you don't remember none else, keep reciting that verse in Luke chapter 1 where it says, with God, all things are possible. Every head is bowed. Every head.